In this episode, we talk about some ways that your health can positively or negatively impact your wealth. And our friends Juice and Toya join us for some tips on being in the best health in 2024. Let's get started. Let's get some money. From New Money, New Problems, it's the New Money, New Problems podcast, a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. Negotiating compensation, purchasing your first investment property, helping your family with money, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. New money brings new problems that require new solutions. Join us as we work through them together. I'm Brenton Harrison, and this is the New Money, New Problems podcast. Hello, my name is Brenton Harrison of New Money, New Problems, and your host for the New Money, New Problems podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode where we got to know uh, Juice and Toy a little better and hear about their money story. In this episode, we wanted to keep the trend going of this being January, people focusing on their best physical and mental and financial selves, and giving you some tips that can have you in tip-top shape in 2024. If you're looking at the length of these episodes, we're not all of a sudden going from a 15 to 20 minute weekly episode to a 40 minute weekly episode. This is just a unique circumstance of having a couple experts on hand from which we think our audience could benefit. So we wanted to make sure that we offered it to you. Next week, we'll be back with a shorter episode, I assure you. But in this episode, we're going to talk about four ways that your health can positively or negatively impact your wealth. And then after the break, we'll be joined by Juice and Toya yet again. So the first way that your health can impact your wealth is through insurance premiums and underwriting processes. We've talked about insurance a bit on this podcast in the past. There's going to be much more to come as we break down the different forms of coverage. But let's start with life insurance. Life insurance, when it comes to the factors that play into the pricing, are things like the age at which you apply, the amount of coverage for which you're applying, how long you're going to be covered. Obviously, if you have a permanent insurance policy, you're going to pay more than if you had a term policy, but also your health at the time of application. And they figure out that health through a number of different pieces of data, like an abbreviated physical. So they might come and they might do your height, your weight, your blood pressure, your urine sample uh, and blood readings. And they use that data to determine your rate class or your health class. And depending on that health class, you can see wildly different amounts for the same amount of coverage based on the health class. If you're looking on screen, there's a life insurance quote here for John Doe, who's 40 years old in the state of Tennessee, and he's applying for a 20 year term policy for a million dollars of coverage. We will put a link to this quote in the show notes so you can see for yourself. And we're going to look at the rates for if he were offered three different health classes. Now, the first of these health classes is the best health class possible. Some insurance companies call this preferred plus. Some call it select preferred. Some call it super preferred. And for a million dollars of coverage for 20 years at the best health class, the range of premiums is around $50 a month, depending on the carrier. Now, if we're going to take him from the best health class to just even the standard health class for a non-smoker, our premiums in this range double, and they go from around $50 a month to $100 a month for the same amount of coverage, the same length of time. We're just going from a person at the best health class to a standard health class. Now, let's go a step further and assume that John Doe is a smoker, and smoker does not mean that you're smoking cigarettes. It could be chewless tobacco. It could be that you uh, smoke weed 
eat. It could be that you eat edibles, whatever the case may be. If you're considered a smoker, that same policy for a 40 year old male, a million dollars of coverage that started off at $50 a month goes all the way up to over $300 a month. If this person receives the standard health class as a smoker. Now, the good thing is with life insurance, some of these factors can change. For example, if you were to stop smoking for a period of time, you can have your rates changed. If you were to lose weight and sustain it for more than a year, you can apply to have your rates changed. So your health can negatively affect your wealth and your payments, but can also positively affect your health if you improve it and can go back and ask for a reconsideration of your health class. Now, a different consideration comes when you're applying for disability insurance. Disability insurance replaces a percentage of your income in most cases 60% if you're unable to work due to an illness or an injury. Now when it comes to disability insurance it works like old health insurance used to in the fact that disability insurance has pre-existing conditions meaning that if you came into the application process with the health concern it's highly likely that if you receive coverage that illness or injury is going to be excluded and you will not be able to receive payments if that's the reason for your disability. As an example if you look at my individual disability policy, I came into the application process having had major injuries or surgeries to my left lower leg, my left knee, and my left shoulder. And as a result, I have a disability policy that in the event of a disability will pay me 60% of my income until I'm 65 unless that disability is a result of an injury to my left lower leg, my left knee, and my left shoulder. It is excluded from my policy. And it's not just physical health, it's mental health as well. For example, if you've come into the application process with instances of depression or anxiety, if you have OCD or ADHD, or if you're in a high stress profession, such as dentistry randomly in the eyes of an insurance company, then you can risk either having an exclusion for these items in your coverage, or you could have a limitation. So for example, you might have coverage that lasts until you're 65 years old, but you could have a mental and nervous limitation that says that if that disability is a result of a mental or nervous disorder, then your coverage is limited to two years. So any other illness or injury, you get payments till you're 65, but if it's a result of one of those matters, you only get two years of coverage before you bump up against the cap. The second way that your health can impact your wealth is the timing of Social Security payments. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, at least on average in terms of age, we know that many of you are at least 10, in most cases, 20 or 25 years from filing Social Security. And you may be wondering if it's going to be there. Social Security will be there. We'll do some episodes in the future about how it works. It may be structured a little bit differently, but the program will exist. And when it comes to Social Security, the amount that you receive each month is based on 35 years or up to 35 years of payment history. It's actually called the average indexed monthly earnings that they use to calculate your payment. You don't have to work 35 years. You can get a benefit by working less, but that is the length of time that they use to calculate your benefit. Now, in terms of when you file for that benefit, everyone has what's considered a full retirement age. For the average age of our listeners, your full retirement age is going to be 67 years old. And at full retirement age, you can apply and start receiving what's called your primary insurance amount. It's basically the full benefit that you can receive without worrying that it would be reduced based on the time that you filed. Now, at 62, if you take it before full retirement age, then you have a permanent reduction of your benefits. So you're probably wondering, why would somebody apply early if it means that they're getting a permanent reduction from their primary insurance amount? 
Well, the reason has to do with longevity. You have to think about the fact that if you're only projected to live until 72 or 75, then between 62 and 67, you are foregoing five years of monthly payments, albeit reduced payments. In exchange, you're only going to receive payments for five or eight years before you, for lack of a better term, expire. This is called the break even. How long do you have to live to make it make sense to delay getting your Social Security payments in exchange for a higher amount? If you wait until age 67, then you have to live probably till your mid to late 70s for that break even to make sense. Now, from 67 to 70, you can wait even longer and increase your benefits even more. As a matter of fact, it is an 8% simple increase for every year you wait between full retirement age and age 70. But studies have shown that the break even for this is in your early 80s. So if you were to wait until 70 to take a benefit, you have to live past your early 80s to reach that break even point where it made sense to forego payments starting at full retirement age in exchange for those 8% increases. So this is an example of no matter what you earn, being in good health, putting you in a position to get a higher monthly payment based on your own earnings by doing nothing more than sticking around a little bit longer. The third way that your health can impact your wealth has to do with things like your health savings accounts. We've talked in the past about health savings accounts, but the premise of these accounts is that they have to be paired with a high deductible health plan. High deductible health plans typically have a lower premium in terms of the monthly payment, but in exchange for that, you have to take on more of the risk of paying more if you have a medical expense. Now, the good thing about that risk is you can then put money into a health savings account and it has triple tax benefits. You put aside the money pre-tax, it grows tax deferred, and it comes out tax free if you use it for a dedicated health expense. The problem is that in some situations, like my own families, where we have a son who has asthma and allergies and we're still trying to figure out the balance of steroids and inhalers and all these different medical visits where you could put yourself in a situation where you do have a lower health insurance premium, but you are also having to go to the doctor more and more and pay more and more out of pocket. For us, that was a risk that we did not want to take until we have a better idea of the baseline for my son's health and what it takes to manage it and keep him away from breathing treatments and steroids and all of this. But in the future, it's a situation where as his health improves and as we have a better regimen, it's an opportunity to save money on health insurance, save money on taxes by putting dollars aside pre-tax, and also have those funds grow in the market year after year by investing the funds that come in an HSA. And the last way that health can impact your wealth doesn't even have to do with your health. It has to do with the health of the parents or the generation above you. If you're looking along on screen, there's an article from USA Today that talks about the sandwich generation, and it says that roughly one quarter of American adults belong to this generation. And by their definition, this generation means anyone sandwiched between a parent 65 or older and a child who receives at least their financial support. If you listen to this podcast, you're likely a first or second generation high income earner, and we have shared that it's unlikely that there are like 10 or 20 of you in your family in your age range. It's more likely that you're the only or one of two or three or maybe four at most people in your family who would be expected to chip in and cover the majority of the expenses if there were a financial or medical need for your parents or the older generation. 
Well, that's not an inexpensive thing to do. As a matter of fact, in the state of Tennessee, way back in 2021, so three years ago, the average cost of assisted living in this state was $4,100 a month. And trust me, that's not them living at the Ritz-Carlton of assisted living facilities. That's living in a clean facility where you feel safe and comfortable leaving them at the end of the day. There are facilities in this state and in other states that cost way more if you're looking for luxurious benefits. Right now, we're talking about $4,100 to just make sure that care is received. And if you're thinking that there's some mechanism in terms of federal assistance to cover that, there is, but it basically requires you to impoverish the older generation before they would be eligible. So we have Medicare in this country and we also have Medicaid. Medicare is something that many people are eligible for. Medicaid is something that is income and asset based, meaning that if your income is too high, then you have to spend that income towards your care before you're eligible. And if your assets are too high, you have to spend down or sell off those assets before you're eligible as well. In 2024, in the state of Tennessee, the income limit for institutional or nursing home care from Medicaid is $2,829 a month. And when it comes to the income that they use to calculate that limit is things like employment wages, alimony payments, but also pension payments and Social Security, meaning that even if your family didn't save but had a high Social Security payment, that Social Security payment could bump them above the income limit and require them to pay that excess towards their care before they're eligible for Medicaid. The same is true for pensions. You might have been a school teacher or a government worker and receive a pension. If it bumps you above that monthly income limit, you could even have to use those pension dollars to pay for your care in order to fall below the Medicaid income cap. You also see an asset limit of $2,000, and that asset limit excludes a primary residence and a vehicle. And that means that if your older family members have even checking accounts or savings accounts or IRAs or 401ks or any type of asset that takes them above that limit, it also has to be spent down towards their care so they can fall within the $2,000 limit and then be eligible for Medicaid. So in the instance of your family being able to pay for their own care, even a small amount of income, we're talking about less than $36,000 a year, could require them to liquidate some of that income or assets to pay for their care. And in exchange for it, and, and if you're in a situation where you don't want to impoverish them, you're now looking at self-funding, something that on average in 2021 cost $4,100 a month. So step one to avoiding this is making sure that you keep that older generation in as good a health as possible. But step two is asking those rough questions that we've talked about in the past, like, do you have assets in place to pay for your own care? If not, who would you expect to pay for your care? And in an ideal situation, do you have long-term care insurance? And if you can't pay for it, would you consider allowing us to pay for it? Long-term care insurance is something that can help cover some of these costs and put a fence around some of these assets while still preserving eligibility for Medicaid. But it's something that is expensive, but it could be something that saves you money on the back end by costing you a smaller amount of money on the front end to ensure that they're protected. These are just some of the ways that your health can positively or negatively impact your wealth. And after the break, we'll be joined by Juice and Toya yet again with some tips to get us in the best health possible. This is the New Money, New Problems podcast, a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. We'll be right back. 
Are you wondering what new money problems you might be overlooking in your financial life? If so, we've got great news. We've crafted the New Money New Problems Gap Finder to identify potential weaknesses in your finances in areas ranging from budgeting, investments, insurance, and even the threat your extended family's finances could pose to your household. Please head to newmoneynewproblems.com slash gapfinder to complete it today. Again, that's newmoneynewproblems.com slash gapfinder to take the assessment. You're listening to the New Money, New Problems podcast. Subscribe now at newmoneynewproblems.com. Welcome back. Juice and Toya, welcome back. Appreciate Hello. you having us. Long, long time no talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So in this episode, we're talking about ways that biggie, busy professionals um, the the name of our firm is a Biggie reference, so I, it's hard for me to stop saying Biggie. Um, so busy professionals trying to make sure that they are in good shape and eating nutritiously. Uh, and I wanted to ask you all some questions. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. So in your experience, you trained one on one. You have a channel. From the people that you've come across, what is one of the biggest either fitness or nutrition mistakes that you see people make when they're trying to like start getting healthy? Not eating enough. There you go. I knew she was Easily. <laughs> not eating enough. I think especially people who are busy that may not have as much time to work out, they assume if I just cut back on food, that'll mm -hmm. make up for not being able to work out, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, making sure you have proper nutrition is probably going to come number one to getting in your exercise. It maintains your muscle mass, which is important for your metabolism. The food in itself maintains your metabolism, yeah. but then you're also missing out on <clears throat> nutrients. So you can't make up vitamins and minerals and all of those things that are keeping you alive yeah. and healthy. Um, so you might lose weight by cutting back the food, but then that gets into a plateau <clears throat> and then now you're looking at being sick, health challenges, mm -hmm. if you're eating only like quick bars and things like that filled with artificial fillers and yeah. sugars, you're really impacting your health in a different way yeah. that is making it worse than having to try to lose weight at the end of the day. So and, not eating in place of not working out. Yeah. Or and with that, the, the quality of the food as mm -hmm. well, because obviously people are busy in there. And, and, and I look at it as not having the preparation, right? You know, you have, most people, we, we wake up in the morning knowing what type of day we have. So yeah. not being prepared for the day with nutritious foods or having certain things in place uh, can play a big role in just your everyday health. So people just grab things out of convenience. And in most cases, if it's convenient, it's not really the most the nutritious <laughs> for you. So, yeah. Um, more so just being eating prepared. enough and being prepared, I think, uh, will change a lot of people's lives, for yeah. sure. That being prepared thing really speaks to me uh, as a busy professional because there will be times when I look at, like, my schedule and I'll have to figure out when exactly am I going to eat lunch, <laughs> you know, or when am I going to eat breakfast. And I, th I think that's common for people kind of at this stage in life. So I'll ask next, for a busy professional, what are some easy steps that they can take to eat healthy and build exercise into their workday? For sure. Um, one thing which it has a bad rep for a lot of people because a lot of people like I don't, I don't like meal prep. I don't like doing all this. But 
I think people, if they give themselves a chance and an opportunity to really understand the convenience of it, because we are, you know, we're trainers, we're at home most of the day, but even then we still have to make sure that we have our food. Especially food. in the morning. It's, like our yeah. breakfast has to be scheduled and prepared 100%. ahead of time. A hundred percent. So even if it's just, you know, creating meals, um, especially for me, she can eat the same thing all the time. I, I know for a fact I can't do that. So I like to prepare an assortment of different things that's not hard to make. And that's yeah. one thing we try to preach too is, it doesn't have simplicity. to be yeah simplicity. It doesn't have to be a master chef meal. You know, we we prep. Uh, we'll buy like four chicken breasts, for example. We'll prep and cut it into uh, slices and just have it available. And then yep. we can make an assortment of meals from it. We can make salads. We can make sandwiches. We can make anything from it. And just having it available for us whenever we need it, we can pop it in the microwave, warm it up, and it's just ready for us. I think that just it makes a huge difference. And, I, and a lot of times, I think people think I got to be cooking all day. Yeah, I think I'm not a fan of meal prepping foods and like bulk, like the whole meal in containers. Like container I personally don't like that because I like my food more fresh or I like to prepare it. So like he said, if you make bulk proteins, mm -hmm. like make a ton of chicken, make a ton of lean ground turkey, you can make so many different meals. Like you can pack a tortilla, throw some chicken in there, some lettuce. Boom you know, whatever, carrots, veggies, a little sauce, wrap it up, you've got a chicken tortilla. Then the next day, you can make a chicken sandwich out of it. You know, like you can do different things so you're not having to eat the same things every day. And if you're not a fan of like prepping a ton of meals in the same <laughs> meal every day, yeah. this gives you variety without it being boring, but yeah. still keeps it simple and fast if yeah. you're in a hurry. So in a nutshell, just surrounding, honestly, most of your meals around your protein. So if you can at mm -hmm. least prep your protein, which yep. is important for a lot of people who are trying to stay fit and healthy, uh, it's, I mean, even with our clients, we've seen a drastic change in their lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a little discouraging that you all make fitness videos and I'm hoping that you can out train a bad diet. And I asked you all fitness tips and you went straight to the diet. <laughs> yeah. So exercise wise, For sure. um, definitely the diet is going to be most important, especially if you are busy. It's so important mm -hmm. to maintain proper nutrition, not just body image and weight but your energy levels if yeah. you're busy you probably need to sustain energy in a good way and that doesn't mean six cups of coffee to get that energy right it's really getting in those nutrients that you need so yeah. the busier you are honestly the more important your nutrition is because if you're busy and you need to keep going you don't have time to get sick you don't have time to be fatigued yeah. you need to maintain that proper nutrition and then the exercise honestly that really depends on your goal you know yeah. if your goal is to build muscle and you're really busy you need to prioritize your strength training For so sure. if you only have 20 minutes that 20 minutes needs to be efficient. an efficient strength training session if you're trying to maintain and you just want to be active yeah. you have a little more flexibility in saying i just want to do a fun 20 minute workout yeah. or i only have 10 minutes we have 10 minute workouts, 20 minute workouts, no 30 minute workouts, 45 minutes. Like there's literally no excuse. Um, it's really the time you have and don't underestimate the power of walking. Mm. Literally just going mm. for mm. a walk. If you are busy in a sense of you're on calls all day long, take that call on a walk, walk around your neighborhood, get some movement in versus sitting in a chair, sitting at your desk, go on a walk. Um, after you're done with your workday, if you don't feel like working out, move. go on a walk. Just move in any way that you can. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'm done, I'm tired, I really don't want to do a workout, I'm just going to shower. 
versus if you just go walk, walk. it's not as daunting. It's no. not as, Simple. you know, like you have to do all this crazy <clears throat> stuff, stretching and warming up. Just go walk and just yeah. move. Just yep. get some movement in. That's it. It's that well, easy. <laughs> t- tell me this. Walk me through a day of you all's nutrition and fitness routine. Okay. So typically, I mean, it depends. Like our schedules as entrepreneurs, it changes every day. So again, that's where the preparation comes into play. And that's why we meet and that's why we kind of come together to figure out, all right, what days we have what. And a lot of times, especially for her, she doesn't play about her sleep and she doesn't play about her food. (laughs) So she has to know her schedule in order to kind of uh, prep for the day. So on a typical day, we'll both, we both get up anywhere between four and six o'clock, depending on the day. Mm -hmm. And I used to not be a breakfast person (laughs) until I met her and then my whole metabolism sort of shifted around. So um, we try to have breakfast um, anywhere between, um, it just depends. We'll have clients in the morning. Sometimes we'll make a quick breakfast beforehand or again, she's already prepped some egg muffins in the fridge. I made egg muffins yesterday. And they're ready to go. And we can eat that within five minutes um, on a busy day. But days where we don't, we have more time, uh, we can prep breakfast, eggs, um, you know, toast, whatever the case may be, avocado, we'll switch it up. Um, and then our workouts usually come in between what eight to ten o'clock. Yeah, like this morning I had a six and a seven. At five thirty, I had two egg muffins and a piece of toast with jelly. Um, and then I actually had blood drawn at nine. So before the blood draw, I had a waffle with almond butter and plenty of water. Plenty of water. I have not worked out yet. Um, but before my workout, I'll probably have some type of fruit like a banana. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do my workout. Post-workout, I like to have a protein shake, which usually is just protein and berries. My Same. shakes are very simple. Yeah. Um, and then lunch, we he had a ton of chicken prep. So I'm going to do chicken on um, in an almond flour tortilla. And then on the side, I'll probably have some type of fruit and then avocado. And then for dinner, I made a big batch of chili two days ago, yesterday, and so we've got some chili in there. Um, And then usually after dinner, I have something sweet. Dark chocolate is my go-to. And that's it. That's it. So a lot of the stuff we eat today is already prepped and made. It's already prepped, and usually our dinners are... uh, We cook 90% of our meals uh, throughout the week, so... um, we usually, that's pretty much the only meal we eat that's the same. We yeah. kind of switch it up. Lunch Things we keep in rotation are usually chicken cooked, um, ground turkey cooked. And then we usually also keep like cabbage, kale, like lettuce, like vegetables. things to throw to where if you are really short on time, throw the lettuce in a bowl, throw the chicken on top, throw the avocado on top, mix it together and eat it, you know. So we like to keep things simple because we do usually have pretty busy days. Um, and the only meal that's kind of like, calm is dinner and even then you're tired at the end of the day sometimes you don't feel like cooking so um, we like to keep things pretty simple and on the weekends we like to experiment cook something different or we'll go out to eat so yeah okay i got a tough question for y'all someone has to choose three of your videos and that's all they can work out to for the rest of their life what are those three videos and why we might have different answers. I'll let you go first. But if it's, but if it's for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. I would try to create, uh, we try to preach having variation. Mm-hmm. So I would include some sort of strength training. So we have a, man, there's so many good ones. The rest we of have three, life. We have 250 uh, workouts on the channel. So it's kind of hard to say, but at, we have a 30 minute dumbbell workout that's 
I mean, I could do it every day if I had to. Um, we had a cardio hit workout that is our most viral workout um, on our channel. I think it has over 17 million views. That was one of the workouts where we were like, we looked at each other and we was like, man, this we is- We knew that was a good workout. Yeah, and we, and we sometimes we do them beforehand, sometimes we don't. Um, but that was the one where we, we didn't do it beforehand and we did it in the moment. We looked at each other and was like, man, this is, this is, this is good. And it's hard for us. It's yeah, great for us. Exactly. And that one, it, it did what we thought it would do. And then lastly, I would say one of the series we started, I think, last year that has been very popular, especially for the days where we understand that you're not going to come in uh, to a workout motivated every day. You're not going to be like, I'm ready to hit this workout. You're going to be tired. Uh, you're going to be fatigued. And you're not going to feel like it. So we introduced a series called Step to the Beat, where it's literally you just step in side to side, front to back. Um, for 20 minutes to uh, instrumental beat. Uh, it's motivating, kind of gets your heart rate up. Um, we have a lot of different, we try to create different uh, assortment of music that kind of fits all cultures, all different um, preferences that is. So I would say 30 minute um, dumbbell workout, 20 minute cardio hit and that 20 minute step to the beat. I think that'll, you know, if you're just getting started with a fitness journey, those three will take care of you for sure. I would agree with that. And I would take out the 20 minute hit and I would put in a 45 minute strength and conditioning only because 45. if you're only doing three days a week, two of those need to incorporate strength. So the 45 minute strength and conditioning is like 20 minutes of strength, 20 minutes. Of is cardio. it three days a week or just three workouts to do? Because you can repeat. You better strength. do all three yeah. every week. So the, <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's, that's the only three you can the choose. The only three, yeah. Okay. So that one, I would choose that only because um, it incorporates that strength and the cardio aspect. Mm -hmm. And then the step to the beat, it keeps it fun. It's motivating when you don't feel like it. And it also has an aspect of cardio. Yeah. And I think all three of those also can be made more difficult. So you can For progress sure. them. It's not like it's too easy and I'm done now. Like all three of them, you can increase in weight. You can go at a faster pace as your progress, um, as you advance in your progress. Yeah. So. All right. If it's all right with y'all, I'm going to get the links to those so we can put them in the show notes. And then, absolutely. And then the last question I have for you, what is the best way for people to support you? What do you have upcoming? How do we reach you outside of, you all are everywhere, but just here's your opportunity. <laughs> I think for us, um, honestly, we always appreciate the support on sharing our YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. um, we also have an app, which we'll send you the link to. The app for us, honestly, is our favorite thing because it incorporates all of our YouTube videos, but it also has circuit style training. So if you do our YouTube videos, it's all follow along. But the way that we train and we train ourselves is through circuit style training. It's a little bit more advanced. Um, but it allows you to get a little bit more customizable in your progress, mm -hmm. but also on the app, you can message us one-on-one. Yeah, -on -one. Gotcha. You can send us messages. And so we, as much as we would love to be able to communicate with 1.5 million yeah, we can't, subscribers, we can't back to it's hard, you know? And so, um, the app allows you to really get a little bit more nitty gritty in your goals so um the app and then we also have a new challenge coming up on oh, yeah. the app uh in the new year yeah so, so look forward for to that. that and then also yeah. we have our own podcast as well the juicy yep. toya podcast 
Um, we have it on YouTube. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, and where we're just trying to expand our reach in a sense of spreading helpful information, uh, whether it's nutrition, workouts, motivation. That's something that's overlooked a lot in, in the fitness industry. People think like everybody's motivated to work out, which isn't the case all the time. Yeah. So we're using the podcast as a space where we can really have those conversations and help people out uh, in a way that kind of helps them more specifically. So yeah. those those things, uh, that would be great support. <laughs> That's good stuff. We will link to all of it in the show notes if you're listening. Juice and Toya, thank you times two for coming on yet again to the New Money, New Problems podcast. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you, you so much for having us. From New Money, New Problems, this was the New Money, New Problems podcast, a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. 